Hi, I'm Jen Drummond. Welcome to my podcast, Take a Break. As a mom of seven, a business owner, and an individual trying to be the first female to climb the seven second summits, I often need to remember to take a break. Take a Break is about enhancing and preserving the greatest asset you have, you. Listen in as I share personal stories and interview others to help you get the most out of this one amazing life. Today, I have my friend Thomas Erickson with us. You probably know him as the Surrounded by Idiots author, surrounded by narcissists, surrounded by bad bosses, surrounded by setbacks, surrounded by psychopaths. I think you have a new book out, maybe that's only released in Sweden right now that I read that is Energy Vampires or something. That is true. Yes, it's coming in English uh, probably this year, hopefully. Okay. I'm excited to read that because I love all the other books. You know, I spent a year in Sweden before. Oh, you did? Now, why did you do that? And where were you? Yeah. So I was in a little town called Ratvik. So, hey, yes, Faria. Um, It's by Lake Sand in the middle of nowhere. I was an exchange student when I was 16 years old. Fantastic. Then, you know, some, some, do you remember some Swedish? Like a little bit. My problem was, is that when I was there, I had to take tests to get into college in the United States. And at the time, I could remember Swedish better, right? Because it was... 20 plus years ago, but there was like this question that they asked me and they're like, barn is to animal as blank is to blank. And my brain was automatically converting barn to children. And I'm like, children is to animal as what is to what? Because the Swedish word barn means child. And so Needless to say, I did not do awesome on that exam because I was doing Swinglish, like half of it I was translating from Swedish to English, and then half of it I was doing English. It's pretty funny. I I, I think you're going to do okay. Swedish is a really tiny little language. You know, 10 million people tops speak Swedish. So you're not in big trouble if you don't follow. And most Swedes speak English, so it's hard to learn Swedish in Sweden, to be honest. A lot of people say that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, everybody wants to speak English to you when they hear you talking. And then you're like, okay, well, my Swedish is never going to improve. But what a beautiful country. And I know you say that all countries have all the colors, right? Red, yellow, blue, green, which we'll talk about what all those mean in a minute. But I swear Swedes are full of a ton of greens. Like they're just the nicest, supporting, easiest going people. That is painfully true. I'm impressed you actually figured that out. It is it is the case. Swedes are, in general, you know, kind, friendly, conflict avert. We sort of close our fist in our pocket and say everything is fine. You know, grinding at this. No, no, there is not a problem here. No, 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 no. But you can see it in our faces. But we 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 have to be friends. You know, we have to get along. So we pretend as much as we can. That is the Swedish way. Actually, I love it. Okay, so I wore red today because I'm a red. (laughs) Okay. And I'm actually, I took your test on your website to make sure that I had stuff that we could relate to. I'm a 95 red, a 90 yellow, and then whatever's left over was blue. I'm not a green at all. (laughs) No green. (laughs) Well, what do you want me to say? Well, you can't have all the colors all the time, but you actually could, you, you could probably pretend to be green if you wanted to. You probably don't want to do that because, as I just said, you know, greens are about, uh, you know, 
politeness, uh, uh, caring, sharing, and so on. Maybe not extremely action-oriented, to be honest. They're good at other stuff. But I mean, you're an action-oriented person, I can tell that. Uh, as you can see, I have a blue jacket on. That is yes. also a bit of a clue, but it's not the whole truth. I am equally red and blue myself. And then I have quite a lot of yellow and also no green. Also Ooh, no green. No I'm green, kind of green, unswedish that way. No. So let's move yeah, along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's tell all of our um, listeners like the basics of the colors since we're talking about them. There's four colors. It's based off the disc um, system. And I love that you turned it to colors because I can never remember all the vowels or letters that I was before. Um, so go into those details for us because you know it better than anybody. Exactly. Well, you already laid the foundation down there. It's, it's based on the disc and the colors is there for a pedagogical reasons. It's easier to remember red and yellow behavior than instead of saying high D over an I with a low C, or if you used to Myers-Briggs and ENTJ personality, or sorry, ENT. E-N-T-P, E-I-T-P, okay, well, there you go. Can't remember, <laughs> yeah. red and yellow. It's so much easier. The reds are the dominant ones, the action-oriented, fast-forward thinkers, you know, a kind of uh, entrepreneurial risk-takers, uh, not afraid of, of conflicts at all. They speak their mind, basically, and, and they're result-oriented, goal-focused, extremely goal-focused. We need to get to the top of the mountain. <laughs> Pun intended, actually. Uh, the yellow ones are also action-oriented, but more people-related, uh, so to speak. So they are uh, sort of a bit smoother than the red ones. They are, are always smiling, you know, they have the sunny faces and they're very positive, very open-minded. They like new stuff, you know, and, and, and they're very creative. These are the people who solve problems you haven't even heard of who ask the questions nobody's asking but they sort of you know they are out there and the sun is always shining and even if you point out it's actually kind of gray i think it's i think it's raining yeah 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 but you know the sun is always shining somewhere that's a kind of the yellow mindset and then you have the greens relation oriented as the yellows but introvert the the yellows are, are extroverted uh, the, the greens are introvert. So they are much calmer, much more a little bit to themselves, uh, sort of uh, uh, more low-key personalities, but very friendly, very helpful, very extremely good team players. These are the ones that you can sort of lean on to when things get rough because they will be there standing strong, you know, uh, not talking a lot, but they are moved either. They're, they are the grinders, if you know what I mean. But they don't like conflicts. They don't like changes. Changes are, ugh, why change things? It's so good as it is. Well, maybe it didn't work at all, but you know what it is, at least, you know, it was better, it was better before, that kind of mentality. Uh, and then you have the blue ones. It's the introverted, um, task-oriented individual. And then you get yourself an engineer or maybe a brain surgeon, an accountant for sure. Details, facts, systems, you know, uh, logic thinking. Uh, every time you suggest anything, they will say, okay, but why? What's the background? What's the backstory to this? Do you have some proof? Where, where are the proofs, you know? If you hand them over a manual, well, do you have it in the original language? Uh, but you don't speak German like you learn, you know? There has been some, some um, irritating translational errors, you know? So we have these four basic types, which, of course, you can mix. As you mentioned yourself, you are red and yellow, and I am red and 
blue. And that's kind of the game. People say to me, well, Thomas, there has to be more than four types of people, right? Well, of course, you can combine them algorithmically. I think it's 19,500 ways, to be honest. So, But these are the, the basics. What started you down the path of going down? Because you used to be a thriller writer. And then this book you decided to write. And yeah, like how did that pivot happen for you? There's actually a couple of stories behind that. But but why I started looking into human behavior whatsoever was because real, I ended up in a ditch when I was 24. I got my first managing position at the age of 24. And I, 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 I was a poor manager. My God, I was terrible. Everything they came to me with, I said, well, fix it. Well, what about this? Well, fix it. Well, how about that? Well, fix it, fix it. So just don't bother me. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of, um, uh, you know, I'm busy managing things over here. Don't come to me with problems. And and uh, it, it was it was it was horrible. I was really really bad, really bad. I feel I feel sorry for these people, even though it's now it's more than thirty years back in time. I had to go to my boss's boss two levels up and say to him, "Take me out." Just end the pain for everybody send me in some other direction because i don't know what i'm doing and he said you better stay put sonny because your boss is even worse than you he is not even here so i was kind of i was completely lost and then um, the hr department called me up and said afterwards i i, I managed to to leave uh, that office it was a bank office a local bank office at the time and the hr department called me up and they said do you how about uh, making a personality test? Fancy some uh, self-awareness, what do you think? And I said, okay, I'm up for it. I'm willing to learn, of course. And I went up there and I filled in the form and I answered uh, 24 questions times two, I think it was. And they gave me a little book, 20 pages, a little book about me. And I started to read it. And Within five minutes, I realized the problem. And I asked the HR woman, I said, is this how people see me when they meet me? Mm -hmm. She said, I want to talk about it. And I said, I better do that because it was a mess. I, I had no idea. This is how people perceive me when, when I met them. I, I didn't have a clue. I was 24. It's my only excuse. So I started yeah. learning already there, actually. Right. So you made a book about it, but the book was a like a lot of setbacks in the beginning, right? Like you had a hard time finding a publisher, but you were so convinced of the material that you were able to continue forward or like, was that ever disheartening and saying, okay, maybe this isn't worth publishing or how did you stay with it? I had published six thrillers, uh, six crime novels, uh, and, and they they have been translated into six or seven languages. I was well fairly successful, fairly, let's call it. And so I thought, well, a book about communication styles and behaviors. Of course, they want to have that one as well. So I went to my publisher and said, hey, how about this idea? It's a book about communication, about how people interact or, or, or why there are so many conflicts, you know, and it's going to be called Surrounded by Idiots, you know, and I tried to sell it to them and I show them, uh, you know, the cover. It's my own design, the cover. And they looked at me like I was the idiot. And they said, that's a stupid title, you know. People are going to get mad. And it's an ugly cover. Forget about the whole idea. Just, just forget about it. Uh, so I went shopping for all, to all, all the publishing houses here in Sweden. And I got turned down 
I don't know, 40 times. They said, most people said I was the idiot. I have never been terribly good at taking advice when I feel something strong within me. You know, you feel something, you can't really explain what it is. But I said to myself, I have to make this book. So I wrote it while commuting back and forth to different kinds of, of, uh, um, of assignments as, as a management consultant. Took me a year on the train and in cars and on planes and such. So finally, I had to publish it myself. I have to finance all of it myself. I had, I had no budget, no, no, no marketing, no nothing. I drove around with boxes in the back of my car, forcing the books upon people. And they looked and said, what is the idiots? What is this? No, no, it's about people not being idiots. And it took me a year to get it into the airport. So then, boom, off it went. So um, the rest is history. It was it was a struggle, I have to say. Yeah, but look what came from it, right? I mean, that was your mountain is getting it to that point. And then it took off. It's amazing. It's great material. I read it and it made me realize, I don't know if it was from one of the books or one of the talks that I heard you give, but I gave my kids a report card to give on me, right? I have seven little people that I'm responsible for. And I said, okay, mom's a red and a yellow. So I gave everybody, I'm like, I want you to just be honest and give me feedback and tell me what you think and make sure that I'm not coming across as this bulldozer and not giving you a place to kind of grow and show up. And it was mind blowing, right? I'm like, oh, I know who my green is. <laughs> I know who my blue is. And just being able to understand their perception of me to make sure that I'm being the best mom that I can be was like a super helpful exercise that I credit to you for giving me the idea. Thank you. Uh, I'm happy. I, I'm happy to hear that. I mean, the concept that I, I am, I am trying to explain in the book. It's not so difficult to wrap to wrap your head around it in general, but still, to use it in your daily life is something else. People, I mean, millions of people have read the book. It's published in 48 languages, which is totally mind blowing. Uh, and and people send me emails from all over the world saying, hey, I'm yellow or I'm blue and I'm, my husband is so strange because he's not like me. And, you know, all, all these stories. I got an email this morning from Azerbaijan. Can you imagine? I had to look it up on the map. Azerbaijan. Yeah. They have, I found a British version. But but the thing is to actually use it and then put it in work. Like in your example now, not everybody does that. A lot of people say, yeah, this is really interesting. It was fascinating. And, and maybe they've heard me give a lecture or some talk somewhere. But going from the theory into the action, that's something else. As you know, in theory, there's not no difference between theory and reality. But in reality, there is, right? And, and, and so I'm happy to hear those kind of examples. As you just mentioned, that you actually used it for something really good. Uh, I was giving a lecture in, in Berlin, in Germany, uh, when was it, uh, half a year ago in an old cinema. And uh, afterwards, two people came up to me, a man and a woman, about their 40s, and they looked a little bit like, you know, <laughs> they were standing there, you know, and, and I said, well, okay, come up, what do you want? You obviously want to talk to me. And they said, well, we read the book, and thank you so much. It was a great talk and everything, you know. But, you know, we, we have been moving back and in with each other and then left each other and then went back, you know, several times because we, we couldn't understand each other, but we kind of love each other at the same time. And now we know I'm red and she's green, the man said, and, and now we're getting married. <laughs> and I kind of, oh. wow, <laughs> it really felt it. I felt it in here. And well, 
hugs and kisses, obviously. But those kind of stories really makes me going. I think it's fascinating. And it's not difficult if you have actually take it seriously. If you put your mind to it, you can use few small things in your daily life to make things work a little better, starting with the people that you care about. It's not very, it's not extremely complicated, but you have to, you have to start somewhere. And that's kind of my mission, start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like the simple easy. And sometimes that simple easy makes it so hard for us to do, right? But I I loved it. And then I was talking to my son about it. And I said, hey, listen, what personality do you think you are based on these things? Who do you think your friend is? How do you think a better way to communicate that is? And it's just given us language and a framework to just start working Mm -hmm. from and being like, oh, okay. And even for me, when you are a red blue, when you hire people, are you looking for people that are your complement or your opposite? That is, of course, the right question, Jen. Well, the thing <laughs> is, starting my career as a manager, I did the same mistake as everybody else. I subconsciously chose people who were like me because I like them. They're like me. Right. I like them. There had to be good people. So, you know, they just... I just, I just brought them on, brought them in. Now I, of course, look at their experiences and their competences. So, well, all of those things, the resume, what it, what it, it contains. But what I like to do is to see how can I find somebody who can, who can sort of complete the team altogether. Is there a missing link somewhere? Do we need better team players? Do we need somebody who is a little bit more driven? Do we need somebody who is sort of a have this positive sense of, of reality who can sort of continue to grind even though it's when the, when the going gets tough, you know, do you, what do you need? What kind of energy? Or do you need somebody who brings order to the team who is more analytical and so on? So that is usually what I am looking for. And then I also train everybody all the time and remind them of you're over in this corner and you're over in that corner. You have some, some, some challenges if you try to re- reach each other, you know, um, on, on a conversational level, you need to remember you are the accelerator, but you're the brakes, and we need both of you. But you need to sort of, you need to work on it. Everybody's responsible, uh, so that's how I try to do it. I usually succeed these days, but I have made numerous mistakes throughout my career. My God, and it cost me a lot. Fewer mistakes <laughs> these days. Thankfully. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Okay. So when I looked at your book, like, so the big one that I liked, and I'm sure everybody has a book that they resonated with more was the setbacks, right? Because I have, I mean, I don't know. I just feel setbacks are such a part of life. And if you're a different color, do you handle setbacks differently then? That's an excellent question. Some people are, okay. I have to tread lightly here, I think, because. Okay out of respect for people. I mean, the colors, the, the behavioral things, the personality is not everything when it comes to how how, how tough you could be and how much you can take from, from life. Uh, it depends on how much you have been through, I guess. But in general, I would say, I mean, red people, they like challenges. They get suspicious mm-hmm. when when, it, when things are too easy. They need challenges. They need to roll up their sleeves and say, okay, let's do this. Because if they can't, I mean, they are at their best when, when it's really, really hard out there. When, you know, the wind is blowing and everybody's yelling. Then they really thrive because it's their element. Ye- yellow people can also be really good at this, but they talk more than they act, to be honest. 
they go from, I mean, when a red person goes from thought to action, the yellow person goes, goes from thought to talk, to, 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 to speech, let's say, using a lot of words. So they usually talk a lot about what they have, what they should be doing instead of actually go away and do it. And yellow people need allies as they are relational oriented. They are, they have a harder time to make it on their own because they need the team with them. They need their friends and their supporters, if you know what I mean. And without that, it could be hard when it comes to setbacks. Green people are probably, I would say, and please everybody who listens to this, it is a generalization. I understand that. I'm totally aware of it. But green people, they don't maybe have the fighting spirit that I would like to see in them because they like to, they like more, they thrive when they can foresee what's coming. They don't like challenges that come. I mean, they don't like surprises. They don't like changes. They don't like it when they don't have their own, the closest gang around them, you know. So when things get rough, they get kind of confused. So they need to act in the group, in the team. They need a whole team to move at the same time, which is kind of tricky. It works in an organization, but if a green person is on his or her own, it might not be as easy uh, as for, let's say, a red person who is sort of just leaving the, the sofa and just gets up and do something. Let's do something. Anything is better than doing nothing, right? Right. <laughs> yes. And the blue and the blue ones and the blue ones, they're gonna plan themselves out of the problem, probably. They're gonna make up plans, they're gonna, you know, fill their Excel sheets with details and and and, and numbers and, and see how, what's the best way out of this. Of course, if it's something family related, it's a bit of a challenge because blue people aren't people oriented, they are more task oriented, they are logical thinkers. Emotions, they are not emotionless. They are not unemotional. Sorry, well, is that even emotionless? Is that a word? <laughs> it is now. Well, no, but, but now. They're, 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 more, they're, more, they're more into logical thinking. So if it's about if it's a problem, if it's a setback related to emotions or feelings, it might cause them more problem than if they had been a green or a yellow one. So it, it, it depends. It's hard to say, actually. But I would say red people are best at dealing with difficulties because they kind of they don't like to give up. Yeah. And they like to struggle, you know. Yeah, they have other they have other other challenges. So, but uh, I mean, in your case, you've had some some setbacks in your life, right? I read about you. Yes. I know you had a serious accident, if I recall this yeah. correctly. Yes. Yeah. So, what yeah. happened, and what made you, you? You made a decision based on that, if I remember correctly. Yeah. No, you did. Um, great memory. So, the interesting thing for me is I. The accident, the car accident was a line in the sand for sure. There's life before the accident, life after the accident. I would say that I would have held my red and yellow personality a lot tighter prior to the car accident. Once the car accident happened, it's, it's, I'm still wearing those colors, but it's almost like they're looser or they're further away from the core being of who I am. And I have more space to play and to be curious and to operate, if that makes any sense at all. Um, it just gave me like a broader perspective of everything. Like, oh, this is how I look at things or this is how I'm taking in this situation. I'm unique. You're unique. My way's not right. Your way's not wrong. It's just different. 
where I would say before the car accident, it was, we're going to this point, hell or high water, no matter what, this is where I'm going, get on the bus or you're staying at this station. I don't care. And then after the car accident, it was, oh, that's kind of cool that you have a different way of doing it or a different perspective. Um, I guess I can wait maybe five minutes for you to get into the car and then we can continue on and we can go together because it's more fun as a group. And maybe it's not so much the destination, but the journey. And so I'd say the car accident had a huge shift for me there. And the fun thing about knowing the colors that give you just kind of a operating system to come home to is when I look at my kids having setbacks, and I just say this because that's like my life right now is raising children. It's they it's nice to be able to say, like, oh, they need like one of mine that's a red, I can just let him go. Like that's not an area that he needs a ton of support and love in. Right. But when I have one of my yellow, I mean, I have seven. So I have every color that you have up there. Okay. And when I look at that, I'm like, oh, he's struggling. Maybe if I sit next to him and do his homework, then he'll like, it's funny just being next to one of them. They have that energy of me being there that allows them to push through a couple more problems. Right. Or the Mm -hmm. other child who can't have any noises or any sounds or someone's chewing loud while they're eating their snack. And so he can't focus. Like I gave him like a little cubby and said, okay, here's your cubby. Come out in 15 minutes and tell me how you're doing. And we'll go from there. And I think whether you're raising a family, you're building an empire, you're climbing a mountain, just recognizing like, hey, when things get hard, this is what my response is, but this is what other people's response is. How could I maybe step out of my extreme red and help out in this circumstance? Because I'm definitely one of those people who's like, we're just going to go and figure it out as we go. And when you're in the mountains, you kind of need a blue on your team that says, well, you know what? All the deaths happen in this one spot of the mountain. So I think we should slow down, check this out, make sure it's safe. And you're better as a whole because you have that compliment, right? It's just been, I don't know, it's been kind of fun to look at things. Yes, I mean, it's fascinating. Setbacks are fascinating in a way because when I was a young man, I thought I could get away from setbacks. I thought if I plan everything correctly, if I, I, I made cautious steps and I took precautions over here and over there and everything, I could sort of get away from severe setbacks, which is, of course, kind of, it's it's a silly it's a silly notion because nobody can get away from them. But what scares me a little bit, what scares me, that's a strong word, but maybe what bothers me a little bit is that there are a generation growing up now who thinks that they, they can be happy all the time. Life is going to be smooth and fun and, and, and soft and, 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 and joyful and everything all the time. But it isn't. All generations before them have learned that there, there will be setbacks. There will be problems and challenges and and, and horrors and and, and disasters and, and and that's just the way it is. I think and that is what that book is about. If you have read that one as well, uh, you, you can't get away. You need to find your own way to to deal with it. And there, the colors can help you. A red person can learn how to use his or her sort of wild energy in the right way to sort of aim the right direction and do something productive instead of just running around and yelling at everybody else 
And the yellow people can learn how to quit talking and start to acting it because they have the action in them. And the green ones can say, okay, if I go over there and, and get help from him or her, maybe I'll better I'll be better, I'll be quicker back on track again. And the blue ones, they can actually plan themselves into the next decade, which is of course not always good. Uh, but I think we all have have sort of, I think the greatest understanding is. There will be, as I said, there will there will be setbacks. It's not about what happens, and I'm not the man behind this phrase. It's not what happens that counts. It's what you do about it. We heard that for many, many times, but we need to hear it again. It's what you do about it. I mean, I have met people who have been so blown away by life in a negative way, and, and they are still going, you know. And some people, oh, yeah. some people... You know, they lose the job, and that's bad news, obviously. They get another job, but they sit there and miss their old job, you know, and feel bad about it. And and, and it's actually not a big deal. It's kind of the same job, but it's not there. They're treating me badly, you know, and they sort of they sort of dwell on, on, on their past in a way. And I, and I usually say, you don't have to do that. The past is the past. Look into the future, yeah, but you know, it was really bad or back over there, you know, and I think that's bad. We need to learn how to, still 2022, people don't know how to look at themselves in a way that makes, well, let's say the right things happen when you can actually observe yourself and realize I am a part of this problem. I mean, self-awareness is a beautiful thing when it comes to behaviors and understand your own colors and so on and so forth, but to, to see to sort of take a step aside and, 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 and view yourself, okay, I acted like this in that situation. Can do do I realize that wasn't good at all? It, it's it's my own bad. I I made it happen. Can I learn from it? Can I do something else the next time that's gonna happen? Some people can, some people cannot. It's it's I mean, life is hard. Life is hard, but it's also beautiful. We need to accept there's gonna be some sort of balance in there. Do the best you can. I mean, in your case, you you, you mentioned, Jen, that's interesting. You got some sort of, uh, you call it, uh, you could distance yourself a little bit from, from that strong-willed person that you were before. You're still the same person, but at the same time, you're not the same person. I think a lot of people have been in that situation where an accident or, 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 or great sorrow of some kind gave them a perspective of life i had a similar situation myself not a car accident but i got burned out completely i i couldn't work i couldn't sleep i couldn't do anything and and i i i, I watched i watched the green mile you know if you remember that movie by stephen king yeah. based on a book yeah. by stephen king i watched the green mile and i saw that man in, in the prison you know he was sentenced to death and he was crying and tom hanks as the warden was crying everybody was crying i was crying and I realized, Jesus, how is this possible? I don't cry. What happened here, you know? And I realized if the, he can touch me from over there in, 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 in Maine, in the US, and I'm sitting here in Sweden 10 years later and being so completely blown away by this scene in this prison, you know, it's, it's a made up story. How is it possible? And I said, I remember I said to myself, I want to touch people like that. I want to sort of, reach out to, I want to, no, I want to reach people like this and sort of shake them a little bit, you know, make them react and make them feel something. And then I realized after a while, I realized I'm in the exact right spot to do that. I had a job as a management consultant. I was coaching people, but I was doing it, you know, not by heart. I was doing it yeah. by 
by invoicing maybe <laughs> i don't know and i realized <laughs> no, my no, god I this job is the best place to be i just didn't know i didn't know right it's a perspective minutes, shift it's a perspective shift 10 minutes turn everything around same job same kind of assignments totally different feeling about it totally different engagement totally different passion this is yeah 16 17 years ago something like that it's that's amazing wow wow yeah. I had it on the mountain um, in May of last year. We were on Mount Logan and it was a full on whiteout snowstorm. And I was wearing pink lenses in my goggles. And so to me, I'm like, this is like cotton candy land. There's fluffy cotton candy blowing everywhere. Like, how fun is this? I'm like, I love being out in the wilderness. And like, I love the alone time. I love mother nature. And then we had our alarms go off because you get it lost in the moment and you forget to eat. And then you struggle hours later. So the alarm went off. So it's time to eat. So we all stop. And then I had to adjust my goggles and I moved them. And it was a gray horrible blizzardy mess and i'm like has it been like this the whole time and they all look at me like yeah where have you been i'm like my goggles you guys i thought we were like this cotton candy like candy land land you have no idea and they said well put those back on because we got four hours more of this terrible stuff and it was one of those moments where like I use that story on speed dial all the time now. And I'm like, am I wearing my pink lenses or am I just dealing with what it is? And it's not to say you're distorting reality. You're just finding a way to have fun in whatever's showing up. Right. And I guess it kind of comes back to the car accident again for me from a standpoint of like, I just, that car accident reminded me like, okay, death's going to happen. Like death's happening. We don't have a choice. We have a choice in how we live, but we don't have a choice in when we leave. And so all of a sudden, knowing that death was going to happen, it gave me all this permission to make mistakes and to be goofy and to try something and not be good at it and to do things that I was like, I don't know who I was performing for before, but I felt like I was maybe in this performance personality and the accident was like, who cares? Who cares what everybody else thinks? Like, how do you feel? What does it feel like inside to you? And what is that truth? And how do you bring that truth forward no matter what? And so, yeah, Mama Seven starts climbing extreme mountains and people are like, what is wrong with you? And to me, I'm like, just like you brought your book to life. I need to show my kids that this earth is a playground and we have all these different things that we get to experience and see and do. And with my setbacks now being visual for them, right? They see mom not wanting to eat healthy or not wanting to train or not wanting to do things. And so when they don't want to do their math homework or go to ski racing or things like that, I'm like, guess what? It's what we do, whether we want to do it or not, whether we're scared or not, we still have to move forward. And it's just been a huge shift because we're kind of in the trenches together doing our own little, our own little thing. And I think that's been really fun, but that perspective thing's big. Such a powerful story. Put on the pink goggles again. Please put them on. That's, <laughs> yes. that's hilarious. But I, I have to ask you, if I may, why why, yeah. why climb mountains? Of all things you could actually get yourself into. You didn't climb. You weren't a climber before, but you started mountaineering afterwards. Of all things you could possibly do, why that? I, I have to know. Yeah. So, okay, I did do a mountain in Jackson Hole. 
Okay. That was called the Grand Teton. And when I went on that adventure, we did it in a day. So it was like a 17 hour day up and down this mountain. And there were so many times that I wanted to say no, or I'm done or forget it. This is silly. And then you get to the top and you are like, oh my God, I made it. All the times that my brain said, no, I still went and look where I am. You know, and that's what the significance of the summit is. It's this like award for saying you continued when you didn't want to. And there was a hundred times that you didn't want to prior to this point. And then you come down the same path that you went up and you realize the thoughts that you had on the way up are entirely different than the thoughts that you have on the way down. And it just reminded me of how impermanent everything is. And you're this little teeny tiny person going up this huge mountain and then you come back down and it just, I don't know, to me, it made like the world feel big enough to be able to make me feel small enough and humble. And all these feelings and emotions just kind of cycle through you. And it's a, it's a high, it's a total amazing accomplishment, right? It's when your book becomes a New York times bestseller. It's that, oh my God, like I gave, I did it. I made it. I have this like, I feel good. I changed. And so I feel like a mountaineering experience, whatever mountain you pick or whatever one you do, you kind of go through this entire cycle of life and come back down. And I'm a red, so I like speed. <laughs> so it gives me this like crunched in format of taking an idea from the beginning to the top and then home again. And you're this new person with these lessons that you learned on that adventure that you get to bring to the next adventure. And so on my 40, I was turning 40 in 2020 and I was looking for something significant to do for my 40th. And I decided to climb a mountain called Ama de Blom in Nepal because that's what somebody had recommended to me. And, you know, it's COVID going on here in the United States. And so my son is doing his math homework and I'm like, we do hard things. You got this. And he looks at me and he's like, if we do hard things, why are you climbing Mount Everest? Who's even heard of this? I'm a dumb blonde mountain. I'm like, I'm a dumb Okay, first of all. <laughs> and then it was one of those things where I'm like, you know, I don't even know why I didn't consider Everest, but let's look at it. And then when we started researching it, we all got excited. And I'm like, I'm going to do Everest. Let's go. And then it just... I mean, that adventure just unfolded on so many levels. It's when you say yes to something that sets your heart on fire, the world supports you. Like it really does. Like my school got, the kids' school got involved. I had the town involved. We, I did calls from base camp to answer questions from the kids. We talked about goal setting and where you went to the bathroom on the mountain and what you ate. And, you know, like all the fun stuff that made the goal it wasn't even the goal anymore. It was just to share the experience and share stories with others. And it was magic. I would never dare doing that. I have a couple of friends when I was well, quite young. They got a gift card from someone. I don't remember the full story now, but it made them uh, do parachuting once from a plane. And afterwards, we didn't see them anymore because every weekend they were out parachuting. And they said, well, the thrill, you know, it's you, 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 you have to try to have no way, Jose, I'm not going near any of those planes. 
that's scary and 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 horrible. No, they had to do you know, the, the thrill, you know, the kick, the passion. It's all oh, your brain and your and your thoughts and your mind. You could die because maybe it doesn't work this time. And and I said, that's why you stay on the ground, you know. And when I'm getting older and older, I I feel a bit envious to people who dare doing these things because I understand on an intellectual level, I understand the highs, the thrills. I understand all of it, and I can re- realize it is a kind of a passion. I, I get it, but I wouldn't dare do it, to be honest. I, I don't think I could do it. Yeah. And it makes me a little bit envious. I would like to do something. To me, it's but that, that's the blue part, because the blue part in me sees all the risks. You know, this yeah. could happen, you know, that could happen. Maybe somebody had a drink last night, you know, and they, uh, you forgot your food. You, de- you, 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 you break your leg. What are you going to do there up on the mountain? You know, when you, you hurt your foot and what's going to happen and who's going to carry you down? And I can see all of those things unfold in my mind, you know, so I better stay here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and unique for me <laughs> is that I've probably almost died twice in my life for sure. And not one of those experiences was on the mountain. Right. So you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, I could die in a car crash, which was more likely than me dying on the mountain. And I don't know, it's just been, it's been interesting. And it's been, here's what's been fun about it, probably the most is people look at me and then they'll see pictures of me on the mountain and they'll be like, those two don't match. Like that doesn't, that doesn't fit my paradigm of what a mountaineer is. And that's kind of what gets me excited. I want to shift your paradigm of what's possible or what's normal and give you permission to be abnormal in your own life. And so I get a lot of feedback when people follow the journey or the story and they tell me ways that they pushed boundaries or tried something out of the box or did something that wasn't their normal and they credit Mm. Like I got inspired because of what I saw you doing. And that only fuels my fire. I'm like, okay, let's keep going team. We got this. Like, let's bring more to this world. Whatever gets you excited. Like I'm here to cheer you on. And that's probably the yellow in me, right? Like I just, I love people. I love pursuit. I love watching the challenge and the things unfold and seeing how they pull it together and make it happen for themselves. I think it's so magic how we get, so many ways to do this one life and so many people pick different options how cool isn't that but that is that is true that's the yellow part of you who, who needs that kind of thrill the red person would probably be able to do it on her own completely but the yellow part of you you needs to celebrate a little bit you know and, and spread the word and tell everybody else how fascinating this is you know uh, which is good because if you can do it a lot of people can do it i was going to say i can do it but i don't think i can do that I would be too scared. Uh, maybe I'm too old now. Could be could that be the case? I'm too old and too too grumpy to to start trying new stuff like mountaineering. I like to drive cars fast, but I don't. I don't know. But anyways, so what's the next challenge? Have you been to? Yeah. There's this mountain. What's it called? Who is considered to be impossible to climb? It's called. What's it called? You know that. It's got a really steep. Uh, ooh, what's it called? Mount Everest area is in Nepal as well. Was it, is it uh, K2? K2. K2. Is that a, that's a mountain. Yes. K2 is the hard one. I did K2 this summer. Yeah. You did K2 yeah. this summer. Well, of course you did. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. So K2, I will be honest. Okay. K, here's the thing. 
K2 and Everest are 8,000 meter peaks that have been filmed, right? So the world knows about them because we have documentary footage on these mountains. I've actually been on mountains that I feel are harder and more complicated than those two, but we don't know about them because we don't have the footage about them, right? So I think Hollywood does build up stories on some of these mountains a little bit. And and, and, and in mountaineering, here's the huge like wild card that makes all the difference in the world. If you're in Sweden and you're driving down the highway and it's 75 and sunny, life is great, right? But if you're on that same road and it's midnight, 50 mile an hour winds, like blizzard conditions, it's it's a white knuckle drive. And so on these mountains, if you have great weather, it's a different experience than if you have one of the storms come in and things like that. So with the technologies that we have today to keep track of storms and the reality of what's happening, it's made mountaineering so much safer than what it was because we're not walking blindly into a weather pattern that we don't know is coming. So I think that plays a huge role. But yeah, wow. no, mountaineering has been my fun place, but yeah. But like anything, like in your books, we talk about, you have to have boundaries, you have to have rules, you have to stick to them. You have, I mean, that's what keeps you alive, right? The mountain's always going to be there. I haven't summited every mountain the first time I've had to go back. Um, and I just have to remind myself that I'm alive with all my digits, like nothing's frostbit, everything's working, we're good. And that's always the goal the summits, the mountains, they'll be there and I can go back again or I can decide, man, it doesn't make sense anymore. I'm trying something new. We really don't know where life is taking us. Well, that's the cool thing. You never know. But if you're open-minded, which is mostly a yellow trait, by the way, open-mindedness, say, hey, let's try it. What is it? You know, everything new novelty is fascinating for yellow people, not for blues, not for greens, but for the yellows, well, most reds, but mostly the yellows. Let's try it out. What is it? You know, they love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look what you've done with, okay, you moved from thrillers, then you got into human behavior, and then you even took that further and said, okay, like, let's look at psychopaths, which is a fascinating read of yours because I had no idea that they can't change. And I'm grateful that I know because it gives me permission to say like, oh, stay over there. We'll talk to you later. And then- you get into like the narcissism, you get into like, you get into all these little areas in a little more depth. That was a totally different path than what you started on. So that has to be somewhat of a yellow. That is true. That is true. When it comes to the psychopath, that was my, that's my wife's idea. Basically, she said, you have to write about psychopaths because I ran into a couple of psychopaths after I had published Surrounded by Idiots. I ran into yeah. some really strange people. Long story short, I, I was stalked and, and it was completely crazy. It, it's a very long, complicated story. And she said, you need, you need to check these psychopaths out. And I did some research and I realized they are not Hannibal Lecter's. Well, some are, but most of them are not. Most of them look like you and I do. And they talk basic, like, basically like you and I, but they don't think like you and I think. They have a completely different roadmap to, to success. And and that was really fascinating and super scary, really, really scary uh, to realize that there are more psychopaths than I knew. The tabloids usually scare people and say, well, is your boss a psychopath? You know, and I, I usually said to myself, well, probably not, probably not. 
there are some some certainty that there are a couple of percentage of of the population in the in the industrialized world where we have the data who are clinical psychopaths born like those people they can't change at all there's nothing you can do about it nothing it's just nature's way of saying well what does nature really want to tell us with these people i don't know human hyenas it's weird but it's fascinating and uh, and i have actually done some help when it comes to organizational stuff uh, organizational suffering from psychopathic behaviors uh, cleaning things up afterwards more than once and it's it's uh, that's hard work dealing with the people who have suffered from from manipulation games for for years and years to come and that's that's really, really bad. And I get a lot of emails from that book. Maybe I get e- even more emails because of that book than the, from the Idiot's book. A lot of people send me, and those emails are always long. Could be, you know, three pages. Story. This is my life yeah. story. This is my life story. This happened to me and that happened to me. It's 30 lost years. What should I do now? And, and uh, that actually, <clears throat> well, those stories makes you think makes you yeah. ponder your own reality and makes you feel grateful for what you have to be honest because people are suffering in silence in many more ways than we can imagine to be honest and i'm not talking about uh, you know wars or, or, or conflicts or, or those things well, that too but you know the psychological abuse that psychopaths can do to people i mean if there are two percent of psychopaths that makes it, uh, well, Sweden is a small country, 200,000 psychopaths here in Sweden. That's only 10 million Swiss, tiny little country. Uh, in the States, you've got a million psychopaths. They are somewhere, and they're usually not in prison. And they are doing things, and they are manipulating people, and they are fooling people, and they are trying to get ahead, you know, by using all the bad uh, moves they, they can come up with. And they don't care. They just don't care. I mean, this this knowledge that actually explained to me why the world looks like it does sometimes, uh, why so many bad things are happening. Because some things that happens around us, it's unexplainable. Why did he do that? What was he thinking? Well, he did just didn't care because he had these traits. Okay, different story. But I'm kind of proud about that book actually because the research was was hard. It took me two years to write it, but I'm happy I did because I learned. I woke up a little bit also. I'm not as naive yeah. anymore. I kind of miss the naive part of myself. <laughs> uh, I realized I world, world is a tough place. No, that book was, I feel sometimes we need to share those stories because it gives us permission. I don't know. I, like so many of us hold on to so much hope for people. And when you read that book, you realize Hey, I'm not a rehab center or this, my life doesn't need to be spent trying to shift some people that maybe are not able to be shift. And just, it's a permission slip to say, Hey, if you run into this person, you can turn the other way. Like your life is worth getting away and out of this person's way. And I feel like the narcissist book did a lot of that too, right? It just said, Hey, listen, you're going to run into a narcissist. Here's how you handle them. Here's how you set boundaries. Here's how you like get off the phone or turn away or whatever, because you need to protect yourself. Like you have this one magic life to live. 
look out for these people that might derail your efforts. And those books were so valuable because it's a permission slip, if nothing else. What's next on your docket for writing? I appreciate it. Well, what's next? Uh, The Energy Vampire thing, that's actually an order from my American publisher. It's in Martins. They said, how about Energy Vampires? Could you write about that? Which I did. And as I mentioned uh, earlier, it's coming in. It, it's, it has been translated. And I haven't yet got a date yet for, for publishing, for the publishing. But it, it's going to be out there, hopefully this summer. Cross my fingers. It's not a promise. I hope that. Uh, the next topic I'm working on, I don't know if I can say anything about it, but it's going to be about something that actually we are surrounded by for real. I mean, we are not surrounded by idiots or psychopaths or narcissists. But the next topic is going to be something really tricky and complicated that we actually are surrounded by. You're teasing us. (laughs) I'm teasing you. I'm experimenting. It's related to lies. Okay. Why do we lie? Why is it so hard to tell the truth and so on? I'm not sure what it's going to be like, but I'm working on it as we speak. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm excited about that one because I bet that plays into different colors as well, right? Like where the intent and the strategy and all of it. Yes, yes, yes. That is that is true. And then I have to have to view myself in the mirror as well. We all lie, right? I mean, I lie, you lie. We said, ah, that's a white lie. I, I had to help him out, you know, sort of protecting him from from the nasty truth. Well, where do you draw the line? This is this is complicated. This is some. This is uh, demanding me to do some some introspection, which is dangerous. You can lose yourself if you go too deep into introspection. So, so I'm I'm uh, treading lightly here to see where it's going to take me. We'll see. We'll see. It's going to happen. Okay, for mm. now, and then all future books that you have coming out, is it best to go to your website, check you on Instagram, LinkedIn? What's your favorite way of connecting with people? Uh, well, I am on all these platforms. I'm on Facebook and on Instagram and LinkedIn. I'm unfortunately not good at social media, I'm, I'm, which my, my my poor little gang of followers <laughs> probably can tell. Uh, There's a website where I tell people what I do. I mean, I, I, I work with the analysis tools, the assessment tools. I work with online courses and I, I give lectures. COVID uh, killed the traveling part of my career a little bit. So now I'm, I'm, I haven't left Europe yet after, after the lockdowns. So we'll see what's going to happen. Hopefully I will end up in the States uh, not too long from, from today. Um, all my books are on Amazon. What can I tell you? It's, it's Give me feedback. People can reach out to me and, and tell me what they think. I love to get feedback from all over the place. I love the feedback. And people suggest, how about this? Could you do about something about that? So I can sort of squeeze it into something and use some, some intel, some sort of, uh, or some stories. I mean, the world is full of great stories. And I, 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 my books are non-fiction books, but they are filled with stories. It's, I work on the narrative very, very, very hard to, to make it easy to read, to make it entertaining at the same time as it is educating, if you know what I mean. Uh, that's that, that, that's also, and then I, I need stories because my life is too short to to experience everything myself. So please contact me, give me your stories, help me to to use them in a better in the best possible way. That would be really beneficial for 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 all of us. Hopefully, a lot of yeah. stories are yeah, yeah, yeah. really worth spreading. 
No, and I went on your website and I loved the assessment tool. I took it super easy, comes into your email, take it, and then you get the results back. And then you also launched an app, which is pretty exciting because then you can plug it in and then you can plug in your people, right? The people are going to be plugged in and then you can say, oh, here's how you operate. And it just helps with communication. And again, I think you've done a huge service to all of us with communication and self-awareness and giving us ideas on how do we look at ourselves and how do we show up for each other? And I'm grateful. And I know the listeners are grateful. So I'm so thankful that you shared your time here today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. My conversation was so much fun with Thomas Erickson. He is amazing. The guy leads from his heart and is so much knowledge that he shares with us and bite-sized pieces. His books are fascinating. He has like this disc model that you can turn and do on his website and figure out what color you are. I highly recommend you do that. And then once you figure out what color you are, like see how that shows up in your life. Like get curious, ask questions. How can you implement this? I did a report card with my children. Okay, I'm a red yellow. I tend to be a bulldozer. And I wanted to see like, am I doing that to them? And how can I support them best? And that report card back said, wow, I need to shift a couple of things to make sure that I'm a better mom and allow them to be the color that they are and thrive. So go on his website, take the test, find out what colors you are, and then figure out how to be your best self because you deserve it. 